will come and speak to us. Our reading is from um, Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 to 11, and then verses 27 to 31. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when we were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And now to verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Cassie. So thank you also, everyone, for your, your birthday good wishes. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a nice birthday. It's been spread over four days. Uh, Thursday night, went out with friends. Friday, went to Richmond for the day with Kate. Yesterday, we went out for a meal. And today, I'm going to West Ham. So I'm just not so confident about the fourth element of those celebrations. Um, I thought you might like to see my birthday jumper. What do you, what do you think? It's good, isn't it? Now, apparently, this colour is really in fashion at the moment, and that's all because of President Zelensky. There we go. He's very keen on wearing this colour. So you can imagine my disappointment when I, I turned up for the 9 o'clock service and Sophie greeted me with, you look like Tim Cross. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> 
Okay, right, also on a birthday theme, I thought I would share with you um, the, the two birthday cards I've most often received. Okay, now apologies if I've shared these before, I don't think I have, but um, here's the first one, uh, which I've received many, many times from my non-Christian friends. Have a good look at that. Have, there we go, I, I see laughter breaking out. Have you spotted him? <laughs> look behind the curtain, there we go. So that's the first one. And here's here's one that's popular with all of my friends. And and I get this year after year after year. (laughs) So with friends like that, who who needs enemies? Now, very few of us would want to describe ourselves um, as gifted. We like to think of ourselves as that, but not to say so. Certainly not if those are the connotations. But the reality we're thinking about today is that if we have found Jesus, or more accurately, he's found us, we all have gifts. We're all gifted. And our passage in 1 Corinthians 12 stated it explicitly, didn't it? As you can now see on the screen. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Not just to a few. Not just to vicars, not just to really religious people, not just to touchy-feely types, not just to leader types, but to every single Christian. So powerful. And yet it's true. The Bible is very clear. That's why today's sermon matters. For it's about us doing what we were made for It's about the full potential of us as individual Christians and as the whole body of Christ here at St. Paul's being fulfilled. And yes, this is one reason why Christianity is exciting. It's one of the reasons why 1 Corinthians is a popular book and why charismatic Christianity is so popular, especially among younger people. And it's absolutely central to where I want us to be heading as a church, all using our gifts, all playing our part. And this is what I want to cover today in two halves. First, what was going on in Corinth? The first verse implies that this chapter is in response to another question that they've asked. You'll remember earlier in the book, they'd asked various questions and Paul responds to them. It seems that they'd asked about spiritual gifts, but also that Paul has had some reports about what's going on as well. So I'll unpack that and the context. And then secondly, what are spiritual gifts? What does Paul say about their purpose? What does he say about what the different gifts are? And what impact can they have on a church? So that's where we're heading, and then we'll finish with a time of response. But let me first pray. Father God, we thank you that we are gifted, and we can be even more gifted as we seek the gifts that you long to give to us and that you long to grow in us. So we pray that we would be open, open to hear what your word has to say, open to the reality of the experience of others which can inspire us to seek the same. And we pray that all that you want to do in us today and next term as we look at this in more detail, that you would do that, to unlock the potential of ourselves and this church. 
Amen. Okay, so first the context. And it's clear from what we've seen earlier in the letter that the congregation at Corinth is actually both the spiritually gifted and yet also spiritually immature church. Which might seem like a contradiction in terms. But in Paul's introduction to the letter, first of all, chapter 1, verse 7, he said, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift. It's quite an affirmation. And yet at the same time, he said at the start of chapter 3, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are worldly, mere infants in Christ. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? And this is a vital part of the background to chapter 12. It's clear from the letter overall that the Corinthians really valued being seen as spiritual and spiritually gifted especially the more supernatural gifts. But they were sometimes using these gifts for personal glorification or to give higher status to some people over others on the basis of their gifts. And the letter overall makes that clear from the way that Paul tackles the issue. Because for him and for me and I hope for us all, this is completely wrong. For spiritual maturity should never produce pride. And it should never produce uh, spiritual elitism, if I can call it that. But rather the humility and unity that comes from none of us being anything without the loving sacrifice of Jesus in our place. None of us are worthy of special status because all that we have is given by God our salvation and indeed our spiritual gifts and our wealth and anything else that we have it's all given by God so we should not be proud and actually it's lost in the English translation but Paul makes this point by taking the word the Greek word that the Corinthians used when they talked about spiritual gifts in writing to Paul which comes from um, the root uh, pneumatica And uh, he replaces that word in this chapter with charismata, where charismatic comes from. And charismata means gifts of grace. Can you see the point he's making? He's saying that these gifts are not earned or deserved. They're freely given by God. And so there's no place for pride at all. So that's one part of the problem in Corinth. It's that pride And that tendency to create elites around spiritual gifts. And that's what the rest of chapter 12 that we didn't read about the body is really addressing. Showing how every single member of the body is equally valued. And that's such an important thing for us to hear. But the other issue in Corinth was this. And it was the supposed spirituality there that actually had nothing to do with God. For there were many people in Corinth claiming to be spiritual people. This was not a time when atheism, atheism was a thing. Everyone was claiming to be spiritual. But so often it was something that was self-generated um, or based on nothing of any true value. And well beyond the community of the church, 
there are people claiming to be society, to be spiritual, just as, of course, there are in our society today. And that's one of the things that I want us to think about. Now, for spiritual people outside the church then, I think we would want to say it had a more primitive feel. And verse 2 makes that clear when Paul talked about dumb idols. And actually, recent archaeology and scholarship just in the last um, decade or two in Corinth has shown that through murals and various other things that they found, that actually there was a widespread practice of appealing to pagan deities at that time to curse rivals or competitors in business, love, litigation, or even sport. And that's why in verse 3 that we think that Paul says, therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Paul is wanting to disentangle these claims of spirituality by people who are, who are basing it on pagan you know, idols, which are nothing, and actually are, are cursing people for gain, which is nothing to do with God. And he's saying that the test of someone who is truly spiritual is that they will say Jesus is Lord, because that is what true spirituality is all about. Now put it all together, what do we have in Corinth? We have this, a church that has not fully rid itself of the influence of pagan or purely human spirituality, or the competitiveness, the pride, and that tendency to create elites that was prevalent in the society all around them. It was a terribly elitist, hierarchical society around them. And as we heard last week with the Lord's Supper, they had a tendency to doing that in the church as well. And Paul is saying, you've got to get rid of that. You've got to realize that true spirituality is absolutely rooted in the equality of all believers. And it's got nothing to do with cursing. It's got nothing to do with personal glorification. It's got nothing to do with pride. It's got nothing to do with separating people and putting some people on a pedestal. And it's got everything to do with humility, unity, and overwhelming gratitude for the grace of God. Now Paul makes clear that these gifts are given for the common good. In fact, he talks in verses 4 to 6 about how the Trinity lies behind all of this. The same Spirit gives gifts. The same Lord, that's Jesus, gives different kinds of service. The same God, the Father, gives different kinds of working. He's saying that that unity of the Trinity is actually the basis of how we should operate as a church. There's no competitiveness between Father, Son, and Spirit. So there shouldn't be for us. So true spirituality and maturity is that good theology based on the Trinity, bringing humility and unity, the safe context and the right context in which spiritual gifts should be used. And that's the framework we all need. Okay, so that's what I want to say in my first section, the context there. The second section then is about spiritual gifts, what they are and what they're given to achieve. Now, I've already said that they're gifts of grace, but the important thing to stress here is one of the reasons for that is because they are abilities or skills 
that we're given after conversion, okay? They're not the natural abilities that we might have been born with or, or grown up developing. It's special gifts and abilities that we wouldn't otherwise have that God gives his people for the benefit of the church. And that's an amazing thing to think about. You know, for some of us, this will be new. For some of us, this is, this is very much old hat. But the reality of it is, God is giving gifts miraculously to his people. And yes, that's a wonderful thing for those of us who receive them because it's encouraging. But the key thing is, it's for the blessing of the church. As verse 7 made clear, given for the common good. And Ephesians 4 actually takes that further and says how the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What's the implication here? It's that we've all got a part to play. A church shouldn't be like a semi-professional football match like you might find at Woking or Aldershot in which a few hundred people watch 22 people do all the work. Rather, it should be like an office where everyone is a worker or if not a visitor and there are no spectators allowed. And on one level, we could see this as an instruction to church leaders like me saying, mobilize your army, get the people into action. That's my job. But I think Paul's main application here is to individual believers. If you have a gift, he's saying, use it. Because the church needs you. And that is right at the heart of what God longs for you and for his people. Because he doesn't give gifts to make us feel good. They're given for a purpose. With him providing opportunities for us to use them to match those gifts. As Ephesians 2 tells us, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, it's certainly true that these gifts emerge with time. A new Christian, and some of us here are new Christians today, isn't likely to have all of the gifts that they'll ever have from the very beginning of coming to faith. Indeed, they're not going to be aware of all of their gifts either, compared to a Christian that's been a Christian for a long time. On the whole, God gives us gifts as and when we have the maturity to handle them and as and when he knows he wants to give us the opportunity to use them and the need is there. Now, I had no idea God was calling or equipping me to preach, for example, until I matured to the point that I could be trusted to stand at the front and not say anything stupid. (laughs) He had to wait quite a while for that. You might want to say he hasn't, (laughs) we're not there yet, but I don't say so many stupid things. (laughs) But we need to always be willing to receive gifts and to use our gifts when we are ready. And that's God's decision, not ours. That's why 1 Corinthians 12, 31, the last verse we heard read, said this, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And we should expect God to answer that prayer when we eagerly desire, which means praying for those things. Expect him to answer, not necessarily immediately, but in his time. And maybe not in the way we expect. Maybe not in the way he's answered it before in the past. But in the way that he knows is best. 
as 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18 put it, but in fact God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, to ensure all of his churches have all of the gifts and ministries that they need. So that's spiritual gifts in general. What then are the specific gifts and what do they contribute? Which again will be familiar to some, but new to others. And the first thing to note is that these lists in, in, or this list in 1 Corinthians 12 is not the only list of gifts. Actually, there are lists in Ephesians, in 1 Peter, and in Romans as well. They're all slightly different, although there's a lot of common ground. I probably prefer the Romans 12 list in the sense that it's the most representative and balanced. Uh, the Corinthians list is a bit skewed towards the supernatural gifts, mainly because that's the particular interest of that church. Now, the Romans list adds serving, encouraging, giving, and showing mercy. Things that, to some extent, we can all do and should all do. But by listing them as gifts, Paul is acknowledging that there are some people who have a particular gift in those areas. Gifts that they should prioritize in the way they use their time. Now, of course, there are many other gifts that aren't mentioned in any of these lists, but which we know today in the 21st century, are so important for us as a church, particularly in a more modern service like this one. For example, the gifts of worship leading, the gifts of hospitality, or sound or visual operating, or decorating the church. And it includes gifts that are used well beyond the actual church building. For example, in outreach or pastoral work in the community, or in the workplace, or in our families, being a good parent, a good son or daughter or brother or sister, they're gifts too. And that opens up opportunities to share our faith there. But I want to spend some time now unpacking the particular gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, because that's the letter we're studying, and it also contains some of the ones that we're most readily confused or curious about. So here goes, and this is all based on the list from verses 8 to 10. So the gift of wisdom, first of all, is a wisdom that extends beyond natural human wisdom that is given by God. It enables a person to know what to do or to say or to think in a particular situation and to resolve problems, to meet needs and deal with circumstances, whether for individuals or for a church. How do you know people who have those gifts? Well, they tend to be the people whose advice others seek. I can think of people who've definitely got that gift here, and I'm truly grateful for them. Now, similar but slightly different is the gift of knowledge, and I would describe this as information or a revelation regarding a problem or need that cannot be gained about a person or a group or a situation through natural means. So if wisdom is sort of the application of that knowledge, if you like, into a situation, this is the, the knowledge itself. Now, prayer activates this spiritual gift. In other words, when we pray for a situation, God sometimes gives this knowledge, especially when we ask him. Again, in a way that benefits individuals or sometimes the church. Now, it might, for example, be just having prayed, just a, a divinely given sense that something is the root of a problem in a person's situation, even though that they've said nothing about it. That's an example. And you know that that's happened when 
when you, you mention this word, I just, I just, just wanted to check, you know, does this, does this word or, or does this issue mean anything to you? And that person is immediately struck by the fact that that is exactly what's going on and yet they hadn't shared it. That, that's a gift of knowledge and it can be so, so crucial. But God doesn't give it to freak people out. He doesn't give it to make them feel humiliated and exposed. He gives it just to provide a way through a particular situation so that that person can be ministered to and set free. So that's the gift of knowledge. Now, the gift of faith shouldn't be confused with what we'd call saving faith, the faith that all Christians have. We all have faith. But this is a particular faith that enables certain people to to believe that the unlikely or even the seemingly impossible is actually possible and that the Lord will do it. Now, I don't count uh, thinking West Ham are going to win a match as an example of this. But to give you a real example, you know, there are situations where I've got a problem as a church leader. And um, I've asked uh, someone to gather a little team to pray into this for me, to listen to God, and maybe to, to um, do that in such a way that's an act of, of if you like, you know, giving the whole church to God and, um, and the church building. And, uh, and this has happened even recently. And the consequence of that is in that process where those with a particular gift of faith have got involved in interceding about this situation. They've been able to come back to me and say, this is what God has said. This is the assurance that he's given us, that he is in control, that there is a way forward, and that it's going to be okay. And that in turn gave me huge confidence that I could trust him and it was going to be all right. Now, for me, that's an example of the gift of faith. But there'll be other different examples. But God enables certain people to be really strong in believing and knowing that he's in control and that he has a way through it. And that strengthens the rest of us who otherwise might be full of doubts. So that's an example of the gift of faith. Now, the gift of healing is a little bit different. It's always a little bit similar and a little bit different. Now, it's, it's similar in the sense that we all are called to pray for healing. You know, the Bible is quite clear. For example, in James, if someone you know is ill, pray for them, right? And we do that all the time. And we've got our service, our gift of our prayers for healing service every month for that reason. We need to pray for healing. But some people have a particular gift. So when they pray for healing, it's much more likely or more frequent that people are healed, sometimes in very dramatic ways. If you've got that gift, that's the most wonderful gift to the church. Please nurture it. And please offer yourself for every opportunity to pray for healing for others like we're doing with the prayers for healing today. Then there's the gift of miracles. I think probably this is a less frequent gift, but I would describe it as occasions when through certain individuals, the laws of nature are transcended and God does something that otherwise could not have happened to help in a particular situation. Prophecy is much more familiar to us, but it's actually quite a broad gift that is a little bit difficult to pin down. Now, in general terms, I would describe prophecy as the sharing of the perspective and heart of God revealed supernaturally to encourage, comfort, or lead a church or an individual into deeper faith. 
And so lots of things can be prophetic. A sermon can be prophetic, as can a prayer or a written article or a pastoral conversation. In addition to sharing words of scripture or a message or a picture from God, which is what we normally think of as being this gift and which we've encouraged you to share today. And we've shared some prophetic words already, we have, haven't we? The gift of discernment, well, that's the ability to discern what type of spirit is operating in a particular individual or situation. And again, I know some people who have this gift. A Christian who does is able to discern whether something originates from God, from the devil, or, or the sinful nature. Examples can be found at several places in Acts. And those who possess this gift are particularly adept at detecting imposters in the church. Sounds a bit dramatic, but it can happen. And there were two different kinds of tongues mentioned in the Bible. The first type of tongue is the ability to speak in a foreign language when the individual speaking doesn't know that language. And that, of course, very famously is what happened on the day of Pentecost. And there are still examples of that happening today. But much more common in terms of the gift of tongues would be what we could call a prayer language or a language, a heavenly language, if you like, that can be used in in singing and praying. And then the interpretation of tongues, well, that's a gift that often accompanies the gift of tongues, which is the supernatural ability to convey the meaning of what has been said publicly in tongues so that it edifies the people of God. And we'll say a lot more about those gifts and about prophecy in two weeks' time when we look at chapter 14, because it's all about those things. And more generally, generally, I want to tell you that next term, we plan to do a whole term series on the Holy Spirit. So we will look at these things again in greater depth, and all of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. So we're just opening up the subject today, putting down some biblical foundations, if you like, for what we will look at in greater depth next term. But I need to finish today. So let's just summarize what we've learned. That we all need to use our gifts and to eagerly seek them. To do so for the right reasons, for the building up of the whole body. And to work together in humility and unity. Knowing that every gift is precious. And to be celebrated by us all. So we're going to move into a time of ministry now. So um, shortly the prayers for healing team will be available at the back. And uh, Joe's here as well. We're going to have uh, a time of song worship while that ministry is going on. We'll keep it very quiet so um, those praying can, can hear what's being said. But before we do that, I just want to invite us all to open ourselves up to God. And can I encourage us to stand? Because we'll be standing to sing straight after this. It's sometimes open, it's sometimes good to have an open posture to God. People often want to open up their hands as a sign of that. You might have another way you want to do that. But the point is, we're saying to God, we're open to all that you have for us. We're open to the Holy Spirit. We're open to the gifts. And we're open to step out in faith and use them. So I'm going to invite God now to fill us and to give us gifts and to give us courage to use those gifts now.
So, Father God, would you come by your Holy Spirit, fill us afresh, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, now. More of your spirit now, we pray. Pour your spirit upon us. Father, I pray now that you would impart gifts to your people. New gifts. Pray for new confidence and courage in using those gifts. And I pray for new opportunities to use those gifts. Now, if there's anything you want to say to us as individuals about what you have for us, would you say that now? Thank you, Father. going to move into that prayers for healing time now and we're going to respond in worship as that happens so Joe's going to lead us in two songs that continue that response and that openness to the Holy Spirit so I encourage you to sing them as a prayer And I encourage you to courageously, if you would benefit from prayers for healing, physical, emotional, spiritual, or maybe prayers to help you discover your gifts, or maybe prayers to unlock your courage or your confidence in using those gifts. Well, then go and receive that prayer. We've got a team there, it's a safe place. If God has begun a work in you today but hasn't yet finished it, then do receive that offer of prayer. And this could be a really significant moment in your life and in the life of this church. So as the songs continue now, at any point, just slip out of your row, go to the back, and they'd be delighted to pray for you. So let's Respond in song and prayer and openness to God now.
your work in us, we pray. Continue what you have begun in us. Lord, would you just revive the gifts you have given us? Open us up to the power of your spirit, we pray. There is still time to go for prayer if you would like to during our final hymn. So do feel that you can do that. Our final hymn is a wonderful hymn of praise to God. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. There are 18 verses to this hymn. We are not doing them all. You will be glad to hear. So let's sing in uh, that wonderful hymn, Praise to God. And if you still need prayer, please feel you can go for prayer. triumphs of his grace the triumphs of his grace the triumphs of his grace jesus the name that charms our fears that bids our sorrow cease that bids our sorrow cease tis music in the sinners is tis life and health and peace tis life and health and peace tis life and health and peace and health and peace. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. His blood availed for me. His blood availed. His blood availed for me. He speaks and listening to his voice. New life the dead receive. New life the dead receive. The mournful broken heart. 
hearts rejoice. The humble poor believe. 